Welcome to Scope of Practice, a podcast that opens a window for an inside look at the different practice groups and the lives of attorneys in those groups here at Ropes and Gray. I'm Yoni Levy, an associate in our asset management group based in Boston. On this episode, I'm joined by Chris Aitken, an associate in our asset management group in Boston, and Nicole Cray, who was recently promoted to partner in our asset management group, formerly based in Boston, now based in New York. Thanks for joining. I think you both have sort of different backgrounds on what brought you to Ropes and Gray and your practice here. So uh, it, it would be interesting to hear from each of you about sort of how you wound up in the line of work, what your line of work is, and specifically how you wound up at, at Ropes. And it's a special treat for me, I'll say, to have Nicole on in that uh, Nicole was one of the people I worked with as a summer associate when I joined the firm. So she has known me since day one at the firm. So um, maybe we'll start with you, Nicole. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Yoni. Ultimately came to the decision that I did want to be a lawyer, went to law school, um, but you know had, had no sort of legal, legal background at that point. So no real great sense in terms of what type of law I wanted to practice. All I knew was that I wanted to do corporate law. I finished law school and started at Ropes, and I actually started by doing um, largely private equity, mergers and acquisitions, um, and and similar types of of sort of deal work. Um, I did that for about a year until I got my um, my first assignment in the asset management practice. And it was just one of those funny things where when I got my, my first assignment in that group, which um, for what it's worth was actually the same assignment that Yoni was referencing earlier when he was a summer associate. And um, I just really liked it. I liked the pace of the work. I thought it was interesting. And I thought that that's something that I, I wanted to do a little bit more of. It was sort of an obscure regulatory issue impacting private fund managers. Um, and I just thought I want more exposure. I want more exposure to that. Um, I liked the deals that I had been, that I had been doing, but I found that perhaps the pace of the work was not, was not my favorite. Um, it tended to flare up and then die down very quickly. And I started taking on more and more projects in the asset management group. And I found that I really liked the type of work that I was doing. I liked the pace of the work. I liked that, um, I was, you know, sort of started from the outset doing, Um, fund formation work with also a focus on regulatory issues impacting registered investment advisors. And I liked that I could be working on any number of um, matters on a given day. There was a lot of variation. Um, And I just sort of kept taking work along those lines and eventually sort of evolved to really focusing my practice on um, regulatory issues impacting uh, registered investment advisors, primarily advisors to private funds, including private equity funds, hedge funds, real estate funds, venture capital funds. Um, And, and, you know, over the over the next 10 or so years, um, really just sort of evolved a focus in that particular area. Um, and that is that's how I came to be um, in our asset management practice with a with a focus in our private funds regulatory group. How about you, Chris? Thanks, Nicole. Um, I, I guess uh, there are some similarities there between uh, between my track and Nicole's. Um, I went straight from college into law school, uh, but actually thinking that I wanted to be a litigator. Um, not with very much experience. I, I liked the idea of it. I liked public speaking um, and having spoken to some lawyers, I, I thought that it was a good idea. Um, I got a little bit of exposure to that during law school, uh, a little bit of exposure to bankruptcy work and a fair amount of exposure to corporate work. Um, and I ended up working for an asset manager directly out, out of law school and an advisor.
advisor in, in the private equity, uh, private credit space, um, which gave me a whole bunch of exposure to um, Advisors Act issues, to fund formation, um, you know, internal compliance issues and litigation as it affected the asset manager and uh, portfolio companies. So I think that gave me, I, I, towards the end of my time there, that was about two and a half years, um, a really deep understanding of the business um, and about uh, a mile wide and an inch deep on a bunch of different issues. Um, I, I since transitioned and, uh, and joined the uh, private funds regulatory group at Ropes and Gray. I've been here for about uh, five months and uh, and since I started, uh, although I've been primarily staffed on uh, private funds regulatory work, I've had a fair amount of uh, fund formation, uh, some SEC exam work, uh, a little bit of, of deal work as well. And, and I think um, I've had the opportunity to, to sort of figure out what I like and, and continue to reach out to the associates, the, the council, the partners um, who are doing that interesting work. But it's been great that I've had a little bit of control over, um, you know, taking on what I like and, and what I don't. Um, and I definitely echo what Nicole said about uh, the private funds regulatory space. I think, number one, um, the pace is definitely different from, I think, a lot of litigation and uh, deal work um, in that it seems to be a little bit more consistent. Um, and the other is that uh, you're getting exposed to um, – asset managers in uh, doing all sorts of different strategies and, and competing against each other and, and rolling out uh, new sort of novel products. It's, it's fascinating to watch. Thanks. That was helpful. I think what you said about having the opportunity to work on various different types of projects within the group is a theme that's come up on a lot of the prior episodes as well, that asset management is really a very broad group and that there's lots of different subtypes of work that you can do within the group, some more transactional, some less transactional, some more regulatory, some less regulatory. So I think now might be a good time to drill down a little bit on what we mean when we say that a large part of your practices are regulatory focused. I am an asset management associate as well in the private funds group, and I certainly have a regulatory piece to my practice in that regulations touch everything, but I wouldn't describe myself as being primarily in the regulatory space in the same way, say Nicole is or Alyssa Horton uh, as well. So uh, maybe Nicole, I'll turn to you first. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about what specifically are you doing in the regulatory space that is different from what others in the asset management group are doing? Sure, and and that's a that's a great question um, because I think it's a great point that you know all of us within um, within asset management, if if not the firm overall, are you know obviously what we're doing is governed and you know driven in certain cases by the application of certain regulations. So in some sense, um, you know we're all some level of regulatory lawyers. Um, you know, what I would say distinguishes the lawyers like me, like Chris, that are practicing primarily in the private funds regulatory space is that um, it's much less um, transactional. And by that, I mean, um, I'm typically not sort of running the formation of of a, um, you know, of a private fund. I'm typically not involved in sort of the negotiation of terms 
um, regarding an investment in a fund. Um, what I generally do is I advise sponsors to those same, you know, private funds about um, their regulatory obligations, really focusing on the regulatory obligations, their regulatory risk, their risk of SEC enforcement. Um, and, and in that case, it really just is a further specialization within the group. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of made a point of saying, well, I don't run the fundraise. We in the private funds regulatory group are involved in many of the fundraises and the fund formations that others in the asset management group are involved in. We work hand in hand with the fund formation teams. Um, so typically I'm reviewing um, a lot of the same documents that the broader fund formation teams within asset management are looking at and working with my colleagues in that way, but in more of a specialist capacity and more of a capacity of issue spotting. What's the SEC going to have to say on this particular issue? What is, how can we reduce your regulatory risk by making sure you have this particular kind of disclosure? Um, so in that way, it really is sort of just a further specialization within, um, you know, within the practice. You know, I noted the sort of the, the, the pace of the work, um, you know, that I tend to like, but I think one of the reasons that I really like this type of work is um, it's in many senses, um, it really is um, problem solving, right? It tends to be that, um, you know, aside from some of the sort of the routine, um, you know, annual filings that we help clients make sort of um, routine, um, kind of actions that all registered investment advisors might have to take, more often than not, it's that a client, you know, I have clients that I've work, been working with since, you know, I started the firm 10 years ago, um, a client calls and they say, we've got this thorny issue, or we want to do X, Y, Z, and we're wondering if we can do it. We're wondering if we can do it by, you know, while making sure that we don't take on too much risk of the SEC, you know, coming after us for any particular reason. How can we do this? Um, and I really like that part of the practice because um, you kind of really dig in on some very focused issues, but ultimately you're sort of helping, um, you know, folks at, at, at the client sort of figure out how they can get done what they want to get done from a business perspective while still making sure that they're on the right side of any regulatory risk. And so that's sort of one of my favorite pieces of it. And it's, you know, to be able to sort of really drill into that kind of issue for the client, you need to be reasonably specialized. So that is my take. Thanks. That was a helpful overview. Chris, what attracts you to the regulatory work? I think Nicole gave us a good picture of what the regulatory work looks like but, and, and told us what attracts her to it, but what, what appeals to you about the regulatory work in particular? I, I do echo uh, what Nicole said about, you know, one of the most fascinating things is that clients come to you and they say, we'd like to roll out this new line of business, or we'd like to sort of change the direction of of what our firm is doing and um, you know, from an advisor's act standpoint or, you know, whatever else we have to sort of think about, okay, we'd like them to get there too. What do we have to do uh, to get there? Um, and then once they've decided they're going to go in that direction, we've talked to them about the risks. Um, then they make certain business steps and then they work with maybe our private funds team to raise a new fund in that space. And then going forward, um, we often work with them to make sure that, you know, the risks that we made aware to them um, and the, the disclosures that they have to make, that they're actually sort of operating in that way. And I think one of the most interesting things uh, about having worked in-house was you would talk about all of these things before, you know, starting a new business strategy. Um, but there are things that come up sort of, you know, day-to-day -day issues that, that you wouldn't have thought of beforehand. 
Um, and it's pretty interesting to work through those. And so, you know, having been on, on the business side and seeing how the portfolio managers and the tax team and the finance team and the compliance team all sort of work together, um, I think it's interesting to, uh, to sort of work through the, the day-to-day issues as they implement something that may be cutting edge in the industry. Yeah, one of the things that surprised me about having worked alongside Nicole and others is that you tend to think or people tend to think of specialists as sort of focusing only on a particular subpart, drilling in on only one thing. And that's true, but a large part of what the regulatory specialists in particular have to do is understand how the whole picture fits together, understand if you're disclosing conflicts, if you're uh, describing some sort of new initiative, how does that fit in with the rest of your business line? How does that conflict with the rest of your businesses? So I've always thought that that was an interesting part of the regulatory puzzle was was not just that you have a strong command of, say, the Advisors Act or, you know, and, and the exemptions from the Advisors Act or something like that, but also that when it comes to really understanding the practical implications of everything, you know, not necessarily how exactly you implement the words of this new, you know, approach to a business line, but how does that business line impact the disclosure you've put out to date? You know, what does that mean for the rest of your businesses? What are the things you have to tell investors about that? I think that sort of deeper level understanding of the economics is a very interesting part of the regulatory practice. I I, just to jump in there, I, I think that's a great point, Yoni, and I actually I really agree. Um, there's sort of one live example that I think is a great um, example of that. Right now I'm working on um, a very large transaction involving a big restructuring for a client of ours. Um, there are a number of different firms involved. It's a big undertaking. Um, and we at Ropes, on kind of the Ropes regulatory team, who have been their ongoing regulatory counsel for years um sort of were pulled in to help advise on the regulatory issues um involving this this big restructuring and the funny thing is i would say that 25 percent of what i'm actually advising on is an issue under the investment advisors act which is really kind of the the core piece of regulation that i typically am dealing with um a lot of it is that we're pulled in as regulatory counsel because after having advised them on kind of their obligations, you know, for the last 10 years and having kind of a really intimate knowledge of their structure and their governance and how things work within their organization, they're just looking to us to help put them in the best position possible to be able to effectively run their their organization, their governance structure, their compliance infrastructure um, going forward under this new restructuring. So it's funny because they're, we're their quote unquote Advisors Act counsel, but really we're almost, you know, operating as sort of an outsourced, um, you know, piece of their piece of their, um, you know, compliance governance just because we've been so in the weeds with them for years. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I'm sure also lots of times there aren't clear answers one way or the other, but you've worked with a client to take positions, let's say, in the past that this is how this is considered and this is how that is considered. You know, this falls into this bucket, that falls into that bucket. And what will be important from an SEC perspective or from a compliance perspective overall is that they stay consistent in their positions. And so being the person who's been in the weeds with them on those details helps inform their decisions moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Another thing that I think is interesting about your practice is that it's, you're sort of described yourself as a specialist, but I 
think of you, and I certainly turn to you as specialists all the time, uh, Jason, you, Nicole, uh, you know, Alyssa, uh, Chris, you know, I've, I've turned to various people uh, as specialists, but we, I still think of you gener- very generally as part of the asset management group. And, and so I'm wondering if, uh, if there is a, a subculture that I'm missing out on here among the, the regulatory folks at the firm. Um, and then also from a more, that's, that's more of my fun question. And then from a more practical perspective, how does that work in terms of taking ownership over client matters, taking ownership about moving a project forward? You know, is there some tension between, you know, the, the overall funds team and the, and the specialist funds team uh, in terms of regulatory matters? I'll, I'll open that up to the floor to whichever of you wants to answer first. I'll jump in there. And Chris, feel free to um, kind of give your, your two cents based on what you've experienced thus far. Now, I personally spent probably the, I'm going to say the first seven years that I was in the asset management group also doing fund formation work, right? Which I actually found, um, you know, in, invaluable, um, you know, as much as I think that there can be, um, uh, there can be some good parts and, um, you know, it can be tempting to specialize early on and there can be some benefits from that. I actually found it really helpful to have a little bit more of a generalist view um, for the first several years. And I will say several of the others in our kind of private funds regulatory focused group um, also came from a, a similar background of having kind of more of a generalist asset management role and then sort of um, slowly branching off into a specialization. Um, so I found that I found that helpful, um, you know, but it is, it, you know, it is true. I mean, there's um, there certainly is a different role. Um, I would say that as more of a quote unquote specialist, I end up working on more matters than I would if I was a um, sort of more straightforward fund formation, um, you know, associate working on fund formations or maybe even um, kind of reviewing fund investments from the investor side. Um, because sometimes, not always, um, the amount of time that I'm spending kind of from a more specialized perspective on a particular matter, um, you know, is not perhaps quite as time intensive as, you know, somebody who's sort of the main associate on a particular fundraise that can be kind of all consuming at times. Um, whereas I could be working on 20 different matters in a given day. So it's, you know, a little bit less time intensive. And, you know, again, I mean, that's something that I I like. I like having that mix of matters. Um, I like that it also gives me exposure to so many different people and teams within the asset management group. So it's funny because you could say, oh, we're specialized and you might think that silos um, kind of folks who are doing this private funds regulatory work. um, But really, it kind of has the opposite effect. Um, You know, I was talking I was talking, you know, talking with somebody lately and, um, you know, I was sort of looking at sort of an internal document where I was supposed to list the partners that I worked with. And I I wanted to say all of them, all of the partners in the asset management group, Um, because it went, you know, during a given year, I work with all of the partners in the asset management group because most of the funds we're raising need some input from a regulatory specialist. And I really, you know, I like that. So I find that there's a ton of integration within the overall group. And then obviously there's some hiving off of, um, you know, we have a lot of discussions, um, you know, amongst the group of us that focus on this particular type of work on sort of more idiosyncratic pieces of the regulation and how we're going to be advising clients. But really we're, we're pretty integrated and I like that. Yeah. Interesting. So you get a sense of sort of what everyone is working on at any given point because you're, you really have right. your, your hand sort of in every, uh, in every cookie jar. Uh, how about you, Chris? 
echo that. Um, and, and two things that definitely stood out in, in what Nicole said. One, um, the asset management group at, at Ropes is, is very large. Um, and so, you know, in addition to what Nicole is saying, where, um, you know, there's always or in, oftentimes there's an Advisors Act piece to uh, a lot of different issues. So, um, so you'll end up being involved in, in a lot of different things that are going on. Um, but what I was referring to before in, in you know, being uh, looped into, um, you know, fundraises or, or other types of work in the asset management group, that happens pretty frequently. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that Nicole said uh, that's really important is that other groups is great for relationships. Uh, you, great, you, you get to understand, you know, how other business groups work, how the partners work. Um, but also getting much more comfortable with the type of work. And I think uh, to Nicole's point before of, you know, being a very valuable advisor to the client, uh, especially on the project that she was referring to, is having the ability uh, to not only understand the, the specialty that you're advising on, but to understand how the business works and, and you know, having been in the weeds and in other parts, whether it's fundraising uh, you can sort of see issues uh, coming up. Um, so I, I would definitely agree. I think it, it has been nice uh, focusing primarily on um, private funds regulatory work. Um, it, it feels good sometimes uh, to be uh, the person that, that someone will reach out to just knowing that, you know, oh, this is the person who has that piece of information or this is the person who knows how to answer these types of questions. I'm sure it becomes difficult when you become Nicole or Alyssa or Jason or Joel, um, and and you're the person who they who they come to on everything, and it becomes 20, 30 uh, questions a day. Yeah, can you talk to us a little more, Chris, about what it's like, sort of comparing the non-regulatory work you're doing to the regulatory work, what it's like being a more junior associate in that line of work in terms of substance or approach or, or anything? How do, you, how do you find that compares? I, you know, I think like any uh, large organization, there, there's definitely a, a sort of hierarchical structure. And, um, and you know, associates get hired knowing that you don't know everything. Um, Nicole, at this point, has been, has been doing this for a while and, um, and seems to have an answer whenever I raise a question. Um, but I, I think myself and, and other junior associates, there tends to be a, a lot of, um, you know, taking the first crack at something, reviewing or drafting um, a set of materials for the client, um, and then it tends to go to uh, a more senior associate uh, or, you know, directly to, to counsel or partner, um, depending on what it is. Uh, so my, my work tends to be, you know, longer term projects, I guess, you know, uh, spending a, a few hours at a time on a project as opposed to, um, you know, answering questions or, or reviewing someone else's work. Um, but it, it certainly depends. I mean, um, there, there are some fundraising matters that I'm working on now where, uh, you know, there's a fair amount of, of uh, work that first and second years are doing uh, that I'm sort of helping them on and, and answering questions and reviewing their work. Um, but for other uh, for other items, it, it's sort of you know taking the first crack and and sending it to someone else to review. Yeah, interesting. And Nicole, pivoting for a second, you mentioned that you were doing lots of non-regulatory work alongside your regulatory work before you specialized in just the regulatory work. Were you asked to do that? You decided to do that? Sort of what pushed that focus for you? 
It was it was largely organic until there was one point in time when I think I was um I think it was a seventh year, just about to be an eighth year, where it was my own sort of election to kind of focus on regulatory matters. Um, basically, starting my second year, um, I had just been sort of taking on more and more um, sort of regulatory focused matters while also still doing um, private fund formation work, kind of sponsor side fund formation work, as well as um, at least for maybe the first four years. Um, Kind of fund reviews from an investor perspective, and um, and you know it. I had a preference for the sponsor side fund formation work and the regulatory work. So over time, I focused more on both of those, um, probably about fifty percent each, um, less on the investor side um, kind of fund reviews, and and then it just kind of hit a point where again I think I was about a seventh year where I felt like. Um, it was being, it was getting a little difficult having my attention pulled in two different directions. As I mentioned, the pace of the works can be a little bit different. So you can be in the midst of closing, um, kind of on the sponsor side um, fund formation work. You can be sort of in the midst of closing um, a large fund, which can take a huge amount of your time. But you know, I might still have you know 30 um, kind of regulatory clients where I'm kind of their ongoing regulatory advisor, um, and you know, I just decided you know that it, it didn't sort of make sense to try to do both of those at the level that I was doing. Um, so it really kind of wasn't any sort of external pressure. It was my own desire to say, you know, I think my preference is the regulatory work, and I think I want to be able to focus um, the amount of time that I think I, I I want to focus on it, and sort of went you know went that way at that point, and I've been happy with it. Maybe you could each give us a sense of what your days look like in terms of the tasks that you're doing, how you interact with clients and others at the firm, sort of what what does your day a day look like in the life of Nicole or Chris? Sure. Um I will I'll jump in first. Um my days at this point are um they're very call heavy, I will say. I spend a lot of time um and it wasn't always this way, but in the last several years, I spent I spend a lot of time um, on the phone with clients having, you know, kind of considered their their regulatory questions or kind of reviewed whatever materials they've sent. Um, and I spend a lot of time discussing with them um, their options, our recommendations for, you know, a particular path forward. Um, it is a lot of client, client communication, client calls. Um, um, but beyond that, um, you know, there's... I would say each day um, looks very different. Um, as I think I had mentioned um, a, a little while ago, um, I could be working on you know anywhere from 10 to 20 matters in a given day. Um, so it's pretty rare that I spend say you know four hours on a, on one single one single matter or reviewing one single document in in a given day. Um, a few years ago, um, that would have been more likely. Um, but, um, kind of now I'm usually working with at least kind of another mid-level associate or junior associate that's on the particular matter with me. Um, so I could be sort of reviewing feedback from, um, kind of the junior or mid-level associate, um, or kind of reviewing a draft document from that associate or sometimes, and I will say regulatory matters tend to be leanly staffed. Sometimes I'm reacting to material that a, that a client has sent, um, and just kind of doing a doing a first pass um, on my own, and you know the type of work that uh, you know I'm doing at any given point, um, it really varies. We work with clients to 
sort of enhance their disclosures, disclosures regarding things like conflicts of interest and risks inherent in investing in certain types of funds. Um, we work with clients on their regulatory filings. And so sometimes I'm sort of, you know, reviewing um, a draft regulatory filing for a client um, and sort of, uh, you know, opining on any issues we might see or kind of next next steps into, you know, in terms of sort of making the filing how we need it to be. Um, you know, could be reviewing um, marketing materials. Um, and when I say marketing materials, I mean um, private fund sponsors typically put together a variety of quote unquote marketing materials to attract investors to their funds. Um, and the content of those materials can um, implicate certain issues under the Advisors Act and other regulatory regimes. So, um, Oftentimes, we're reviewing those materials to, again, make sure that clients sort of um, are keeping their, you know, associated regulatory risk low when putting together these materials and are including the disclosures that they need to include. Um, but it really can be a very big mix. Um, I also get involved in SEC exams and enforcement. Um, so when the SEC is coming into one of our clients and... Um, and, you know, either doing a routine examination or, um, you know, worst case, you know, bringing an enforcement investigation against one of our clients. Um, I'll work hand in hand with some of our litigation colleagues to help counsel um, clients through those exams. So it's a pretty big mix of issues that we could be dealing with at, um, you know, at, at, in, at any time. So it's um, busy days and, um, you know, but there's a lot of variation from one day to another. Interesting. How about you, Chris? It varies. Um but it's very interesting, and I, I think the days um, seem to move pretty quickly. Um, I am definitely, being more junior, I'm more on the side of uh, spending two or three hours at a time, uh, whether it's drafting a new policy for a client or some document related to a fundraise uh, or reviewing an existing policy or marketing materials that they have, and then sending it to the mid-level or to someone like Nicole, um, you know, with my comments for them to review as well. But I, I think it varies a lot. I think, you know, and it depends on where you are in the process of projects that you're working on, whether it's an SEC exam, uh, you know, that may start with more of the, the longer term review uh, and, and sending comments to a more senior attorney, or you're at the stage of, of having to produce materials to the SEC um, at which case it's much more, you know, quick questions, getting things together, doing a final check to make sure that, you know, the, the language that, that you had proposed is, is the right language, um, that you're not missing anything that you had flagged beforehand. Um, and the same is true for, you know, putting together final versions of, of fundraising documents or marketing materials or, or whatever it may be. So, um, so I think it does vary. It's a, a huge, um, uh, a very broad um, set of, of types of projects, um, but it, it all depends on the day. Um, there are some days where I, I spend, you know, two or three hours and then another two or three hours on something else. And there are other days, sort of like today, where it, it seems to be, you know, trying to get back to my inbox as quickly as I can to respond as, as things come in. Yeah, interesting. I find variety in my day makes a, a huge difference, sort of having jumping between calls and not getting too exhausted on the calls and doing some review of documents, but not spending my entire day just looking at documents. Uh, not to get too you know, practical and nitty gritty, but really, I think it makes a huge difference in the types of day that you have is just what physical task you're doing. I think maybe it would be interesting to, for people to hear 
from each of you sort of why ropes, because I think you have different perspectives here, Chris being relatively new, Nicole having stuck around for some time. Sort of what, what attracted you to ropes and, and what kept you at ropes? I, uh, having worked in-house before this, I had, I had worked with a bunch of large law firms and you know, at that point, I was out of law school for a few years. I had friends who were working for a few different law firms. So I, I had a sense of, um, you know, what were the practice groups that really stood out at different law firms and what the culture was like uh, at different firms. And I think there's two pieces of that. Number one is the culture. Um, I think, you know, any time that you ask, uh, you know, partners or uh spokesperson from from a large law firm they're going to say that they have the best culture but um but i do truly think that that rope stands out um both in training um in getting people up to speed um and just the the people that i've worked with i've very much enjoyed working with so far and the other thing is that ropes tend to represent um some of the leaders uh, in in the spaces that we work in, whether it's you know private equity or venture capital, um, and so it can be exciting to work with um, those clients that are very much on the cutting edge of their industry, um, rolling out new products, uh, working on these novel legal issues. Um, so I think that's what I'm most excited for going forward. Um, it seems like every few days I'm getting onboarded to a new client team. Um, and, and, you know, each one is, is something that I haven't seen before, some that I know a little bit about and some that, you know, a business that is, you know, fascinating and, and new to me. Yeah, I, I would say I'll echo a lot of what, um, of what Chris said, you know, it's interesting when I, when I joined ropes, um, you know, I don't think I had nearly the same sense of what Rope's culture was like as I do now. So I really think that a lot of my decision was driven that I was in Boston. And like Chris said, I just thought, you know, Rope's was the place to be. I had interviewed a number of other firms. And I just was sort of most impressed by um, kind of, um, you know, the caliber of clients, the level of work that I understood was being done at Rope's. And, um, you know, it was, it was, you know, somewhat of a simpler decision, at least for me at that point. Um, and the interesting thing is, I would say, you know, if you, we go to the question of, you know, why, um, why, is, why have I been at Ropes for 10 years now? And why, you know, why, why do I stay at Ropes? Um, it really does come down more to the culture. And in, in my perspective, you know, the work is as interesting as I thought it would be. Um, you know, I think that when you're at a large law firm, um, you know, depending on the, the particular type of work you like to do, um, I think you tend to get the most complex and interesting matters. Um, and, you know, and I think that, um, you know, I, and I think that uh, a lot of firms can sort of come at this from the perspective of, you know, we get really interesting work. And I think that that's I think that that tends to be to be true of law firms at a certain level. Um, I do think that the culture at Ropes, um, in my view, makes the biggest difference. Um, I think it is incredibly um, supportive. I, I think the environment is incredibly supportive, and that makes a, a big difference, at least to me. Um, you know, t work gets busy. We work long hours at times. Um, and, you know, I always kind of have had the sense that, the, you know, the people that were working with me um, were, you know, really kind of invested in making sure that, um, you know, that we were happy in the work that we were doing, that we were supported, um, that, you know, kind of everybody had each other's back. 
um, and, you know, and that, that people are happy in the work that they're doing. And I think that there's generally an acceptance that people do um, kind of their best work when they're happy and feel supported and feel kind of fulfilled in what they're doing. So I do feel like Ropes does a really good job of maintaining a culture that makes its associates feel that way. And that makes a big difference. Um, you know, personally to me, um, you know, because I think we all kind of, you know, if we're going to work long hours and we're going to work hard and we're going to spend, you know, a lot of time doing something, I think we all want to feel good at what we're doing and also feel like, you know, our ability to have kind of the rest of our life is um, supported too. Um, you know, we all have, you know, families and outside obligations and there's generally kind of support for all the things that we have going on outside of, outside of work. Um, and I, and I think that's been important to me at least. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think I, I agree with everything that was said, both in terms of being initially attracted to Ropes and Gray for their premier clients and their premier work and sort of having a sense that there was a good culture here, but then really sticking around because of the culture. You know, it, in general, it's a fairly demanding job. Client services is going to be difficult at basically any firm, uh, but I think Ropes does everything it can in terms of you know, being a firm of people, right? And all the people here care about the other people here and we all want to support each other. And, and you know, both because people are nice and good people, but also like Nicole said, because even just recognizing you get the best work out of people if everyone is happy. So, you know, I, I think that is also what has kept me here. Um, so speaking of being happy and, and sort of having outside obligations, um, why don't you each tell us something you do in your spare time for fun. What do you, what is it that you, that you do when you're not doing this? Um, well, I, I'll go. Um, and I, and I say this only because it's top of mind. And I just told both Yoni and Chris about this about two minutes, um, before we started this discussion, um, in my spare time, I, you know, generally speaking, I have two young kids. I spend a lot of time with my two kids and now with our brand new puppy who we just got yesterday, who I am very excited about. So um, my, my new thing to do in my spare time is spend time with the brand new puppy. Um, but uh, you know, but beyond that um, really it's just spending time with family, um, you know, love to go, uh, love to go on vacation when um, we're not in, in lockdown. Um <laughs> <laughs> which, which will, uh, you know, looking forward to doing, to doing more of that. Um, uh, but, but yeah, for me, it's a lot of family time these days. As, as the parent of, of two young children myself, I cannot imagine what in the world would possess you to get a puppy, but, um, I hope you enjoy the puppy. It's um, been an adventure in the 24 hours since I've had the puppy. How about you, Chris? I uh, would say the same. I, I don't have any kids, but I'm, I'm sort of at that stage um, where it's been wedding after wedding. Uh, so I, you know, I, I love to go fishing when I can in the summertime. Uh, since I started ropes, it's been a little bit tough, I think, except for maybe two weekends um, since the time that I started. I, I've had to travel for a wedding. Um, so spending time wow. with, with friends and family has been great, but uh, not very much control over that. Um, when, when you have to travel uh, for one of those. Wow. I'm not even sure I, I have that many friends. So uh, good for you on getting invited to that many weddings. <laughs> Did either um, until, uh, until the invitations came in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> People you, you forgot existed and suddenly you're invited to their weddings. Well, great, uh, Nicole and Chris. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your insights into the asset management group, particularly the regulatory private funds practice uh, and your experiences at the firm. 
Um, and thank you to our listeners. We hope you found this to be a helpful, insightful episode. If there's a specific practice group or area you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please reach out to me directly. I'd love to hear from you. If you're a law student or recent graduate who'd like to learn more, please visit our website at ropesgrayrecruiting.com or check us out on Instagram at, at ropesgray. You can subscribe to the series wherever you typically listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Please look out for future episodes and share with your friends. Thanks again for listening and see you on the next episode.